A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak, and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, my name is Justin Hamilton and welcome to Big Squid. This is our second episode of Beautiful Tales for the Disenchanted, an anthology series of short stories that I'll be producing along with the audio brilliance of Sean Allen. If you missed our first story, head to episode 41 of season five. With this anthology series, you will hear a wide range of stories. You'll hear funny stories, sad stories, melancholic stories, angry stories, all sorts of stories. We also have long-term plans for this series, which will become apparent over time. This is definitively a labour of love, and I can't wait for you to hear what we have in store. Uh, Suggestion before you begin, if you're listening to this through your computer, can I suggest putting on your headphones or earphones, turning off the lights, getting under a blanket, and let this story take you away. It is a grimy, creepy tale, and Sean's work is so wonderful, you'll be able to hear the audio layers he's added deep in the mix and the way the story bounces back and forth from left to right. Of course, that's just a suggestion, although if you don't want to be freaked out over a grimy, creepy story, Lights On might be a good choice. Uh, When I was a kid, I loved the anthology series like the TV show The Twilight Zone or the Vertigo comic series from the late 80s called Wasteland. If the opening credits have a familiar feel that is deliberate, I want you to engage with that feeling when you were a kid and you opened a comic book in the safety of your bedroom, uncertain of what you're about to read, or you were compelled to read a book even though you knew that it was maybe just a little bit too adult for you. I want you to remember that moment from your childhood when you turned on the TV and discovered a show you'd never heard of before, but once again felt compelled to watch. I want you to remember the warmth of a lounge room while the wind blew cold outside and a grandparent told you about an experience from their past. Thank you for listening. Let's start Beautiful Tales for the Disenchanted. There is a place just for you. A place that embraces the promise of a warm spring night and a reminder to hurry home on a cool autumn evening. It is a place that exists above and below where the surreal and sublime dance cheek to cheek. This is a place just for you to sit back and enjoy. Beautiful tales for the disenchanted. Our tale tonight is entitled Squeak. Thank you. 
Larry pokes the dead clown with a stick. He grins as the corpse feebly squeaks from somewhere deep inside its chest. Whoever committed this murder really did a number on him. He studies what remains of the face. It looks like a wax sculpture left too close to a burning candle. There are no defining features left to suggest who this clown used to be. Just a mix of flesh, paint and blood. Larry wipes his brow with the back of his bloodied hand and laughs when he smells the gas escaping the body. He closes his eyes, breathes it in, tastes it on the back of his throat. For a moment he can't smell the rubbish in the tip, but that doesn't last long and soon the dross of the city overwhelms his senses. Larry studies his surroundings and wonders how he can climb out of here. Split waste bags spill their detritus, a tasty feast for the flies and the rats. Rotten fruit, warm plastic, wet meat, mingled together like violent lovers, burning the nose, stinging the eyes. Looking upwards to the edge of the tip, hollowed out trucks stand silently, dead mechanical dinosaurs, their wheezing and groaning lives long past. He figures he'll have to climb his way out, but when he steps into the rubbish, his feet sink all the way up to his thighs. He winces as he feels glass and metal and syringes cut into his feet and calves. With considerable effort, he pulls his leg free and looks at the blood soaking into his baggy yellow pants. With no firm footholds, he'll need someone from above to help him escape. But Larry is alone. Down amongst the refuse of the living, he checks his watch with the cracked glass and the missing hands and smiles. Someone will be along in time. To his left, Larry notices a broken mirror catching the light. He wanders over, picks it up and stares at his reflection. He runs fat fingers over fleshy cheeks that struggle to cling to the bone. His bloodshot eyes hide deep within their blue painted sockets. Painted teeth smile under his bottom lip. Larry opens his mouth wide to reveal broken yellow teeth that contrast with the painted white fangs on the outside of his broad maw. He closes his mouth and continues to stare at his reflection. Larry likes what he sees. Even when he's angry, he's always smiling. He discards the mirror with a casual flick of his hand and looks straight up at the gunmetal sky. Crows the size of small dogs fly concentric circles, their cawing sounds like laughter to Larry. Always the showman, he bows to his audience. Above the crows, thick clouds rumble and threaten to rain. This is not a surprise. It rains all the time. That's how it goes these days. Oi! What are you doing down there? Larry turns around and sees Sweeney, a shadow of a man, standing on the lip of the tip, naked and shivering. He checks his watch and runs his fingers through his greasy red hair. Right on time. I'm checking out this dead clown, Larry replies. He smiles, that Hollywood smile. Where are your clothes? Sweeney wraps his arms around his pot belly. Spindly legs struggle to hold him upright. Black and white makeup streaks down his face like the bars of a jail cell. A couple of tufts of blonde hair suggest what once bloomed with abundance in the spring of his youth now cling to the scalp in the autumn of his years. I've been fleeced, mate, yells Sweeney. I've been fleeced like 11 kinds of Wednesday. That's a lot of Wednesdays, replies Larry. Tell me about it, mate. Nobody has any respect anymore. 
Why don't you come down here? Says Larry. This dead clown might be able to provide you with some help in the clothes department. Sweeney feels something dark and awful rise from deep inside and spits it to the ground. Dark phlegm mingles with the dirt, a trace of blood standing out like a still viable vein. How will we get out of there, mate? Says Sweeney. It's easy to escape if we work together. For a beat, the clowns hear nothing but the whispering of the wind. All right, says Sweeney. He pushes at the edge of the pit with one foot and watches the rubble fall away with ease. He doesn't like the look of this, but he is also cold and wet and lonely and that dead clown isn't going to need those clothes anymore. Sweeney gently steps into the edge of the rubbish and before he knows it, he's sliding and falling, bouncing and rolling, crashing and flailing down into the hole. He lands upside down and lays still, trying to catch his breath. Larry laughs heartily, slapping his knee with one hand, rubbing his tummy with the other. Sweeney sits up and removes the banana skin plastered to his head. Looks like I slipped, says Sweeney. Oldest gag in the book, says Larry. I was the first clown to ever make that joke, says Sweeney as he throws the banana skin to one side. Sure you did, says Larry as he wipes tears of laughter from his eyes. It's a classic, and if it's a classic, then old mate must have done it first. Sweeney stands slowly and walks over to the dead clown. He leans down, presses its chest until it squeaks, and breathes in the corpse's gas. He begins to giggle, but the giggling quickly segues into coughing, his spine rattling up and down his back. Larry watches as he wipes spittle from his mouth between his forefinger and thumb. This clown owes me money, says Sweeney. Everyone owes you money, says Larry. According to you, that is. What did you just say? Sweeney gives a look and for a moment Larry wonders if the naked clown is going to have a go, have a crack, take a swing. He knows that no one in this dead city ever calls out Sweeney's behaviour. Sweeney's character is irrefutable. Just ask him. Larry stares back at Sweeney and pushes his fat finger all the way up into his cracked red nose. He stares at his fellow clown, sloshes his finger about before slowly pulling it out, never once breaking eye contact. Blood and snot run down over his knuckles and along his arm. Sweeney doesn't move. Sweeney doesn't blink. His broken face calms, creases flatten, skin smooths. Sweeney knows this is a fight he can't win. Not with Larry looking right at him. If only he still had his knife, then he'd teach Larry a lesson. I think I might take that jacket, says Sweeney. Yeah, says Larry. Good call. Sweeney bends down and rolls the dead clown onto his stomach, eliciting another squeak from the corpse. He pulls the arms back and shivers with delight as they crack. He tears the tattered orange jacket loose, holds it up to admire the blood and mud stains, and then slips his thin arms into the bulbous sleeves. The jacket fits perfectly. He feels a moment of relief now he can't feel the cold wind ripping through his body anymore. He puts his hands inside the pockets. They're much deeper than they look. Deep in the left pocket, his numb fingers can feel an object smooth and sharp, an object that he recognises. He immediately slips his hand out so Larry doesn't suspect he's found anything. It takes all his willpower to stop himself from revealing it immediately and cutting Larry right where he stands. What did you find in those pockets, you daft fool? Says Larry. Mate, nothing in the left pocket, says Sweeney. Sad for me. Typical clown, says Larry. Wait a minute. 
Sweeney pushes his hand further into the right pocket and this time he does find some treasures. He walks over to an upside down cart the caster's long gone. He flips it over and admires the art deco design dusted in rust that eats away at the veneer like an aggressive cancer. He removes the objects from the right pocket and places them on the table. A pair of fake teeth, a plastic bag full of glitter, a black and white photo of a pretty girl, a tattered piece of paper with words written in a column, a handkerchief that he begins pulling out but once begun feels like it is never going to end. Sweeney gives up on the handkerchief, stuffs it back into the pocket and looks admiringly at the rest of his loot. Before he can make a comment, Larry grabs the teeth and slips them into his mouth. He smiles that old Hollywood smile. His eyes stare back like a dead child at dawn. Oi, says Sweeney. You've already got two sets of teeth. Do they suit me? Says Larry. If you want to look like a dickhead, says Sweeney. Maybe I do. Maybe you do. They stop talking, stare at each other, and are reminded of the onlookers above as the crow's indecipherable vernacular fills the silence. Larry and Sweeney bow in unison to acknowledge their feathered audience. For these two clowns, everything is performance. Nothing else matters. Larry farts loudly. Sweeney laughs and replies with his own fart. I want his hair, says Sweeney. Take it, mate, says Larry. And his pants and his shoes. Take them too. I will. I know you will. You know, I was the first clown to wear hair, pants and shoes. Every clown who does that now copied me. Sure, mate, says Larry. You were the first. Everyone says so. Sweeney looks back at the dead clown, his thin body covered in sores and scrapes. It reminds Sweeney of the sores on his chin. He scratches at the scabs sprinkled across his cheeks, his nose and his scalp. They bleed as dirty fingernails drag over their surfaces. Once they used to hurt, but he's used to it now. A long time ago, back when the sky was blue and the wind was gentle, Sweeney was known by another name. Back then, he was going to live forever. He was beautiful and smart. He was charismatic and loving. He was filled with great emotion and bubbled with ambition. He loved a pretty girl. What was her name? That was another time, another age, a long, long time ago. Maybe I'll start with the shoes, says Sweeney as he looks at the dead clown's matted green hair. He'd like to slip that wig over his bleeding scalp since the mud might cool his fevered brain, yet it looks like too much effort for now. The shoes, on the other hand, look perfect and should slip away easily. Of course, mate. Take the bloody shoes, says Larry, his new teeth pushing against the insides of his fat cheeks. Sweeney grabs one of the big, long, bright yellow shoes, but the mud and the blood make it difficult to get a good grip. He pulls and he sighs and he pulls at the shoes some more. He loses his hold and nearly falls. Larry guffaws, but Sweeney doesn't notice. He wipes his hand on his new jacket and then tries again. Finally, the first shoe slips free with a mighty squeak. Sweeney places the shoe to one side and grabs a hold of the second shoe. This time, it slips off easily. Another squeak signalling success. Sweeney holds them above his head in triumph as a slash of lightning bifurcates the sky. Thunder follows soon after. Rain begins to fall, and one particularly fat drop smacks Sweeney in the face with an insouciance that takes him by surprise. My eye, says Sweeney, his shoe victory already forgotten. Calm down, dickhead, says Larry. It's just a raindrop. That's easy for you to say, mate, says Sweeney. 
What if someone walked past and looked down at me and saw that fat drop rolling down my cheek and then thought, fuck me, Sweeney's having a little cry, like some kind of soft clown. Rumours would spread like wildfire, then other clowns might try to take advantage of me and my good nature. What then? Do you really think anyone still gives a rat's ass about you? Says Larry while pulling a crumpled packet of cigarettes from his crushed purple velour jacket. He removes a dart, lights it up, and blows smoke into the air over his new teeth. He watches as the smoke suspends in the air in a geometrically pleasing shape before dispersing on the breeze, disappearing in the rain. He waits for a reply to his comment, but Sweeney's too busy looking at his shoes. He slips them on, stands and looks towards Larry with disgust. They're too big, says Sweeney. They're clown shoes, says Larry. What did you expect, mate? Stop your damn crying. I'm not crying, mate. That was a big raindrop. Yeah, yeah, says Larry, enjoying his cigarette. He's bored with his conversation already. He checks his broken watch again. Not yet. It will be time soon enough. He watches as Sweeney shuffles over to the dead clown and begins to remove the oversized belt buckle. He struggles with the clasp, but just as he finally removes it, water shoots out from the buckle and hits Sweeney in the eyes. My eyes, says Sweeney. You daft prick, says Larry as he laughs. That clown's booby-trapped. You can't trust anyone these days, not even the dead. Sweeney feels the water stinging his eyes and for a moment he notices the voices in his head dissipate. Memories return with such clarity that he stumbles to one side as he remembers why he became a clown in the first place. He remembers his gifts. He remembers the laughter. He remembers the joy. He remembers. He looks at the dead clown. He's stripping naked and is overwhelmed with empathy for his dead brother. Then the cold wind caresses his balls and Sweeney returns to the present, his memories long gone. He wrestles with the pants and once they finally come loose, he falls backwards into a mound of rubbish. He stands up and kicks off the shoes. He slips his thin scabby legs into the pants and then wraps the belt around his waist to keep them in place. The pants are a perfect fit. Sweeney raises his arms and triumph and looks to the sky. But as he does, a crow swoops down and craps across his face. Boys, says Sweeney. You and your goddamn eyes, yells Larry. Sweeney is furious and picks up random objects and throws them at the laughing crows. A coverless book, a syringe, cheap jewellery. None of the objects find their mark. The lone crow continues to circle, cawing, laughing, and Sweeney feels the fury fill his veins. He needs something smaller, something harder, something easier to aim. He runs to the overturned cart, takes the bag of glitter and stuffs his nose inside. He takes a big sniff and then with a mighty roar, he stuffs his hand in his mouth and pulls out a tooth. He flicks it at the crow, hitting it in the wing. He removes another tooth and flicks it at a different crow for another bullseye. He repeats this action five more times until he has no more teeth to remove. Sweeney doesn't mind though. He might no longer have any teeth, but it was worth it to remind these crows who the king is around here. Larry watches all of this and can't stop laughing. He knows exactly what will come next. It is almost time. He notices that the crows are no longer laughing. Their silence is unsettling. They continue to glide and stare down at them in silent judgement. Larry looks over at Sweeney, who now holds the matted green wig of the dead clown. He watches as Sweeney slips the wig onto his head and does a little jig. He's really feeling good about himself now. Sweeney dances. Sweeney shakes his hips. 
Sweeney puts his forefingers into the corners of his mouth and then pulls them up into a grotesque smile. Sweeney laughs and presses his stomach, a squeak emanating from his belly. He gives the thumbs up to Larry and looks down at the dead clown, but is shocked to discover it is nowhere to be seen. Where's the body? Says Sweeney. Made it disappear, says Larry. How'd you do that? Magic, of course, says Sweeney. I taught you that trick. Can't believe you snorted all of that glitter and didn't share any of it with your old pal, says Larry. I figured anything in the pockets belonged to me. Fair enough, replies Larry. What did the note say? The note, says Sweeney. Oh yeah, the note, just the usual. Introduce yourself, talk to the crowd, random words like plain story and toughest gig and my XY. Nothing new there. I've got my own folded up paper with a list on it. Larry nodded. We all do, mate, said Larry. Who was the girl in the photo? Dunno, says Sweeney. Don't care. Larry smiles. She looks like someone you might have cared about back in the day, he says. Don't remember. I'll hold on to it anyway. He walks over to his stash and puts the photo and the rest of the glitter, the note and the photo, back in the pockets. He makes certain to put them in the pocket that doesn't have the knife. He just needs one more item before he kills Larry. Now, could you help me out, mate? Says Sweeney. I need some spare teeth. I seem to have misplaced mine. No, says Larry. The teeth are all mine. So they are. So they are. The two clowns at the bottom of the rubbish tip stare at each other. They stare for a long time, attempting to read each other's face. A thin black drop of painted sweat dribbles down Sweeney's forehead. Suddenly from above, a crow swoops down and caws at the clowns. Sweeney looks up to yell at the bird, but as he does this, Larry rushes over and grabs him by the shoulders. They try to push each other to the ground, but Larry is surprised to discover that Sweeney is much stronger than expected. It shouldn't be a surprise. For all of Sweeney's faults, he's a survivor. Always finds a way to get back on top. He'd gladly step on the corpses of all the dead to touch the bottom rung of heaven. Sweeney smiles as he sees Larry begin to doubt himself. Larry's knees begin to buckle. Drool falls from his mouth. Sweeney laughs. He knows he is about to finally murder this pretender to his throne. Just as Sweeney is about to throw Larry to the ground, he steps one foot behind him to gain better purchase, but he steps on the banana skin. He flies backwards, his feet pointing to the sky and lands on his back, his whole body giving an almighty squeak. Larry knows this is his moment and leaps onto his adversary. Sweeney tries to push back, but he suddenly realises his jacket is too big for him and his leverage is lost in the sleeves. He learns that his new pants are too large and they strangle his waist. He discovers his new wig isn't fastened properly and falls across his eyes. Larry pins him to the rubbish and slips his hand into Sweeney's jacket pocket and removes the cold steel knife. Sweeney is shocked. How did Larry know it was there in the first place? Then it dawns on Sweeney. This isn't their first dance. Larry raises the knife in the air as a sheet of lightning illuminates the tip. Sweeney knows he's done, and Larry obliges, slamming the knife deep into the clown's squeaky heart. His body jerks, wobbles, and then finally comes to rest. Once Larry is sure he is dead, he removes the knife and wipes it on the back of his pants. He places the knife deep down in the pocket of Sweeney's jacket. 
Larry might be exhausted, but he's also experienced. All props should be returned for the next performance. He removes the fake teeth and opens Sweeney's mouth. Larry slowly steps away from the corpse to catch his breath. A crow swoops down and lands on Sweeney's face. Then another crow lands on his leg. Then another on his chest. Before Larry can make sense of what is happening, Sweeney's body is covered in crows. They move backwards and forwards across the dead clown. Then one crow lets out a loud caw and suddenly it is a feeding frenzy. One crow tears the throat, another crow rips at the chest, a couple of crows peck at the face. The dead clown, once known as Sweeney, squeaks. Larry is filled with fear, something he is not used to. He falls to the ground, clawing at the rubbish as he tries to escape this scene. He crawls on hands and knees up the steep walls of debris, but it is soft and easily comes apart in his hands. He rolls backwards, arse over tip, until he crashes back down at the bottom. Without warning, the crows take to the air with stuffing in their beaks, glitter covering their black feathered bodies, their red eyes glowing in the half-light of the tip. Fuck off, crows, says Larry. Show you some respect. The crows circle above and begin to laugh. You've ruined everything, says Larry. I'm a truth teller. I'll tell everyone what you did so carrion like you can't get away with shit like this. Larry waves his fist at the air. He waves and he shakes, but the crows are no longer interested. They're engaged in their own secret conversations. Larry rubs the back of his head. He feels tired. How long has he been down here? Maybe it was time to leave the tip, go back into the city, find some other clowns. He wouldn't mind some company. He'd been alone for a long time. Where did all the fun go? Larry picks up a stick and wanders over to the dead clown. He looks at the corpse and wonders who this used to be. He pokes it with the stick and hears a squeak. He grins as he stares at the otherworldly face, featureless, covered in cuts, paint and blood. He looks around the tip at the maggots and the rats. He can't even remember how he came to be in this godforsaken place. Larry closes his eyes and attempts to remember, but his memories are gone. All that is left of him is instinct. Larry looks at his broken watch. He checks his time through the cracked glass. Nothing is the same, yet everything repeats. From behind, he hears a voice. Oi, what are you doing down there? Says the voice. Larry blinks. At the top of the tip, his old mate Sweeney looks down, naked and shivering. Finally, someone who can help him get out of here. But then a mischievous glint sparkles in the corners of Larry's eyes. How many times has this happened before? You should come down and take a look, says Larry. From above, the crows descend to watch the latest performance. Thank you for joining us. You're always welcome here. Remember to avoid danger with strangers and never accept advice from mice. We hope to see you again here soon. Until then. Hold up. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.